Genesis 32. So Jacob's preparing to meet Esau. He's on his way down. He got laid up a little bit with Laban. Uh, they, they had a pact. They burned some sacrifices. They ate the food, all that stuff. And then he went on his way. And God's angels, plural, met him. And in most of the other stories, when something like that happened, you'd actually hear about what they talked about. You, you know, some kind of encouragement, some kind of confirming of prophecy or something. But we get nothing. Um, when he saw them, Jacob said, this is God's camp. And so he named it Two Camps. And then he sent messengers ahead of him to Esau. <laughs> like, what happened? What happened there? Uh, I wish we knew more. So he sent messengers ahead, and then they came back, and they said, he's coming, and he's bringing 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And so he divided his camp into two camps. The place was already called two camps, so why not make it three? And his thought was, if, if he comes faster than I expect, then he can destroy one camp and the other camp will escape. I wonder who he put in which camp. Hmm. Doesn't say. So, uh, he, he, then, he he's, he's really upset. He prays. And, uh, and he actually is really grateful to God. He says, I am unworthy of all of this kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant. Indeed, I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, just his staff. He was by himself. He was just going along, sleeping on a rock. It was just him and a stick. And now I have become two camps. Please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. It's interesting because he just, he just had this like, you know, he just stood up to this man that had been over him for 20 years. This guy who's been changing the contract and, you know, abusing stuff and, you know, not fitting culture custom, not, you know, not with, without the dowry thing. Like, he just stood up to that guy. And he's got this massive camp. But he is afraid of his brother. I think it's interesting that as he was passing by all of these landmarks, these are all of the places that he passed when he was escaping. 20 years earlier. I wonder how much reflecting he did, you know, as he, as he's walking along. If he's, you know, he's walking along with his whole his whole camp, if he's just having this, wow, I I remember walking like across the river right over there and I was by myself. I just you know, just me and my staff. And here I am now with this whole two camps of people. And so he spent the night and he came up with this plan. And he put together nine different uh, groups of animals, nine different little herds. And he sent them on ahead. And he instructed a one servant with each flock to be spaced out and to say uh, to Esau and to his group, These belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau. And look, he is behind us. And so he would do that. And then he'd look behind him. There'd be another flock and another flock and another flock. This actually does two things. One is it, it shows honor to Esau, but he sent them away. He sent this out, and then he went and he hid his family. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. But he's, he's also buying time, because with each flock, he's slowing down this small army of 400 men, 
if they have to take care of flocks, they're either leaving people behind or they're slowing the whole thing down. And so Jacob bought time by doing this and favor. And so then during the night, he got up and he took his two wives and his two female slaves and his 11 sons, so his immediate family, and he crossed the fjord uh, at Jacob, which is interesting because we read that in English and we go, oh, that's Jacob is like Jacob. Um, but Jacob sounds nothing like Yaakov, which is what his name is. Um, so he brought them across and along with all of his possessions, which I thought is like interesting because I thought they're like in a hurry and like, hiding them away and having them be away from their possessions would make sense. But he, they need to be taken care of and they need to have their stuff if they're going to escape and survive. And then Jacob was left alone. I'm wondering if he went back one more time to, to get his stuff or if he was if he actually like set them away and he crossed the ford again one time. Is it ford or fjord? Something tells me fjord, but maybe that's something up in the north. That's side it's that's irrelevant. So I think this is where he he left his family and he crossed the waters and he was preparing to go and, and meet Esau in the morning. He was gonna sleep on that side by himself. But he didn't get any rest. He worked most of the night, moving his whole family across the water. And then a man wrestled him, wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob on the hip and dislocated his hip. And then Jacob said, or the man said to Jacob, um, let me go because it's daybreak. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And what is the blessing? He says, what's your name? He says, my name is Yaakov. And he says, it is no longer Yaakov. It will be Yisrael. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him for his name. But he refused to give it. And so Jacob named the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and have been delivered. And I love this next line. Um, the sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping on his hip. So, yeah, it's interesting. That, like, he wrestled with God. We don't, I mean, God or an angel or, I don't know, is this a, 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 a pre-incarnate Jesus? Is this a, I, I don't know, was this a, was this a prophet? It doesn't, it doesn't say. I mean, it's not, it's not super explicit. It says that you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And it says that he assumed that he saw God face to face. So, yeah, that's a, that's crazy. And then the sun shone on him as he limped up and limped along. I wonder what all of this looked like from Esau's perspective. Because the, the, the next verse after this, uh, well, so there's a little side note. A little side note says, uh, to this day, Israelites don't eat the, the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket. Because that's where God struck Jacob's hip. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming toward him with 400 men. 
So it's right, it's right there. And I wonder what this was like for Esau. Esau was, um, he, some messengers ha appeared and said that Jacob, who he hadn't even heard of for 20 years, was coming. This brother that, that stole everything from him, that stole the blessing from his father, that stole his, stole his birthright, that stole favor from his mother, and then fled. This, this manipulative little brother that he hated so much and wanted to murder, Wanted to murder so much that he was planning it out loud enough that his mom heard him <laughs> and warned Jacob. And he was, this I mean, 20 years later. And then there's herd after herd of gifts. And then and then he looked up and there was clouds and and the sun covered and, and the clouds covered everything except that the sun shone on this one man walking along with a limp. How powerful is that image? Wow. I mean, that's that's really cool. So that's a it's just an interesting side note. So um, another thing I wanted to, to look at is there's a whole lot of wrestling going on. So there's a you have struggled with, which has often you know um, you have struggled with God and I thought struggle would be the same word as wrestle, which is, those are often synonyms. Uh, and then there's the actual wrestling that happened. He wrestled with him until daybreak. And then I think it says it twice in that same area. Uh, and then earlier, like there's also that wrestling that, um, that Rachel and Leah had. So when um, Naphtali was born, uh, that's the reason he's called that is because uh, Rachel said, I have wrestled with my sister. I have, with the wrestlings of God, I have wrestled my sister and prevailed. Which, I, so I just, that, that phrase, like, and have prevailed, or have, you know, had victory, that struck with me. And the, so the wrestling prevailed, and that's kind of what, um, what God says to Jacob after they've wrestled. And so I, I, that parallel just kind of struck me. And so, you know, I, I looked up the word there, um, you have struggled with men and you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And that word is Sarah or Sarah. And it's um, you have struggled or contended. And then I saw an interesting, like in the actual Strong's Concordance Dictionary, it's um, you have uh, persevered or struggled as a, as a prince. And then there's uh, exerted or persevered. And so in, in uh, some translations, it actually says as a prince before God. Like you have contended, like you know, as a, as a, as a force to be reckoned with, as a you know somebody of royal heritage with an army, it's, which is interesting. And then I was like, wow, that's that's interesting. That's a not the, not what I was expecting with this struggled word. I was expecting it to just say, wrestled. So contended with. So it has nothing to do with the actual physical like attack. It has to do with something a little bit higher than that. And so I was like, well, I wonder if that's the same word over here. And they just, I don't know, it's just different. And so it, it is different, a completely different word. Uh, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And and that word is actually uh, abak, which is to wrestle or grapple. Like, that's a that's very, like, hand-to-hand, -hand, they grappled and fought. 
physically. It wasn't a it wasn't a higher order power of like you have fought you know ideas or you have fought you know and and persevered over time. This is a like he actually physically grappled with, which makes sense cuz they they fight until daybreak and you know the other guy, you know, strikes his hip. And this is not like let's see the the depictions I've gotten of this is that he like touches his hip. But it says pretty clearly that he struck his he struck his hip as they wrestled and dislocated his hip socket. Like that's a I don't think this was a very tame fight. Like they didn't have like rules on how to fight, at least that I'm aware of. So um, that's this is the the wrestle grapple, and I was like, that doesn't I don't remember seeing this word before, which means that the the earlier word that Rachel used must be a different one, and it is. So I, I flipped back, and apparently in my notes I didn't actually write down what the word was. I just wrote down its definition, so I had to go and look that back up again, and it's uh, pathal. What the root is pathal, um, and then there's the uh, napathali, naftali, which is how we say it, um, or there's the uh, niftal, which is the other um, tense. So there's a, it's used twice um, with the wrestlings of God, which is the like with with God's wrestlings. I have wrestled my sister, so they're, they're different, and and I would have expected that to be like the wrestle grapple but it's not it's a completely different word and it's to twist and it's cunning which we talked about um last time that it's this it was she used cunning the cunning of god or the the craftiness the twisting of god in order to twist with or fight you know it's like a fight against but it's a twisting and cunning it's a it's much more of a mental um political kind of exercise than actually physically fighting which is interesting that these all three of these are very different um, words and connotations. And in English, we translated them as struggle and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. So, ah, man, I feel like we're missing so much. I'm so glad that I'm actually looking some of these up. It makes me wonder what of the other other words in here I should be looking up, but I'm missing. So that's just, uh, yeah, there's the, there's the observation. Now you know more about wrestling and struggling and twisting than, than you did before. Me too. So I'm probably going to keep an eye out for those in the future, now that I know there's a lot of different ways to do that. Yeah. I don't know if there's a overarching thing to pull out of this. I'm sure there is. I love the humility that he has here. I mean, he's afraid of Esau. He's definitely terrified. But he didn't hire, you know, an external army or, um, or go in as commandos at night or anything. Like, he's, he's definitely being a man of peace. He's, you know, kind of a coward, but in a good way. I mean, he, like, and I say that because he ran from, um, from Laban. Like, he packed up in the night and, like, deceived him and ran. He didn't, you know, he didn't actually stand up for and fight for his family until he was cornered. And in this case, you would almost expect him to have that, you know, fight response because he is kind of cornered. But he didn't. He sent gifts. He called Esau Lord. He, wa he went there alone, empty-handed. Uh, he might have had his staff. 
which is interesting because he started off alone. He left and went north alone, just him and his staff. And in the end here, he is limping alone. Because his family he put across the, the waters and his servants are far ahead of him. And here he is alone walking back. I think that I think that has significance, maybe. That he had all this stuff, but in the end, the stuff doesn't really matter if your life is in danger or or you're about to face something terrible. In the end, it's him and his trust in God. And that is true of us as well. It doesn't matter how much stuff you've accumulated or friends you've built up. It's good. And those things, you know, we build those things. That's what, that's what Jacob did. And he was told that he did a good job doing that. But in the end, it was his trust in God and walking with him that really counted.